just open our hands to heaven right now and just just invite Jesus to come. Um, he's here, but there's something about inviting Him to come um, that just postures our hearts to to be attentive to Him, to be open to Him. And so let's just say, just Jesus come right now. Jesus come. Just open our hands. Just receive Him right now. God, in the same way that um, when you return to your throne in heaven, that heaven received you in your glory. We receive you in your glory right now. We stop to draw our attention and our acknowledgement to you. And we just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Take your place. God, I thank you that because of the presence of Jesus, there's a pre there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation that's in this place that we might know you, the hope to our calling, that we might know the riches that you have for us, God. That every time we come together, God, that there's a table before us to feast on everything you have, Lord. There's, there's not just a snack, God, but there's a full meal of your presence. So Lord, we just um, we just come to receive Jesus, not not just man's words, not just man's songs, but we come to receive Jesus at the table today. Your body, your blood, your nourishment for us, Lord. We say thank you, thank you that we get this opportunity to gather, to be together, to know you. We bless you, In Jesus' name me thankful for Jesus in this place. Let's give the worship team a hand. They did an amazing job today. We have a couple of things to do before we, before I jump into the message. First of all, um, Jerry, where are you at? How, how many of the ladies went to Monday night this last week? I, I just wanted to stop. I texted her because Andrew was texting me during the middle of it of how good, how good a job Jerry's doing leading. If you don't know, she's leading a, bio, a study on Monday nights that's based on, tell me the name of it again. Get out of your head. Okay. I, look, I was looking through it at home. It looked really good. And, uh, but I just want to acknowledge the, the leader that you are and the, the gift that God has put in you. I know multiple people just told me how great it was. And so just as a community, we're super grateful for you and the, the grace that's on your life. And so let's just give Jerry a hand for doing a great job. Susanna, you good? All right. All right. I've had the privilege of helping us just kind of take our prayer to another level. And I want everybody to say with me every day. At 11.30, Zoom prayer. Somebody's got my back. For real, we do. We've been praying for a lot of you, and if you need us, like we have, just text any one of us. We'll put the prayer on there. I know some of you work, we can't always be on, but there are those of us who are trying to be there faithfully, and we want to cover you in prayer. Another thing we're going to do is highlight, guys, we have so many awesome businesses. So today, I have the privilege, Amy and Josue, come on up. The Ruiz family are going to come and let us know a little bit about their businesses so that we can cover them in prayer this week. So come on up, guys. 
And just tell us like how long you've been in business. Tell us what you do, the name of your business. Just let us know what, what you guys do, and we want to cover you guys. Uh, good morning, uh, ClearPath family. My name's Josue. That's my wife, Amy. Now, we have two different businesses, but we're both pretty involved in both of them together, so that's been pretty fun. Uh, I have a uh, cleaning business, uh, Elevate Cleaning. It's just a full-service uh, cleaning business, and we do a little bit of everything, carpet cleaning, upholstery cleaning, water damages, uh, janitorial cleaning. That's kind of the big bulk of it that keeps us pretty busy. And, uh, yeah. And I'm Amy, <laughs> and I do balloons, and I've been doing it now for five years, and I think last year was a pretty, like, pivotal year for my business, and I've been getting, like, the attention of some pretty big people, and that's been really awesome, um, and yeah, I really enjoy doing it. <laughs> she like really does I'm gonna get you next week and I need a shout out like that. <laughs> All right, well we're gonna pray for you guys right now and we're gonna cover you guys this week. And so Lord, we thank you so very much for this incredible couple who has stewarded so well the gifts and talents that you place inside of them. Lord, we speak a blessing over their finances. We speak a blessing and favor over their just their connections in the community. We thank you that everything that they put their hands to, they do it as unto you, Lord God, and that your light is shining in balloons and in cleaning. God, we thank you that you are doing beautiful things in them. So we thank you for the privilege of getting to have them as a part of our body, and we pray that you would just show us how to specifically pray for them uh, this week as we cover them, Lord, we just speak a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for, for highlighting us. Specifically, they'll be praying for their van. Did y'all get the van worked out yet? Okay, so they have one of those like Euro work vans. Sprinter van, I think is what they're called. And they both use it for the businesses and um, something's been wrong with it. So be praying for them that they get that worked out and and maybe even add another work vehicle would be probably good because um, I know that's been, they've been running ragged lately because of that. So I have to uh, also brag on Susanna for, she's been helping us lead and be an ambassador for prayer. And so she's sort of come up with this like, okay, let's highlight people that we're praying for. And I think it's just really good. So, so thank you, Susanna, for doing an awesome job. Um, how many of you feel alive today? I'm going to talk about two things uh, briefly before I get in the message. I know that there's been a lot this morning, but it's all been good. So you go get a 10-course meal, and every course is good, and it's, you're fine. <laughs> um, but um, one thing, um, this is an idea that Max has had for a while that he's been circulating with us, and we hadn't put meat to the streets on this, but we're just going to start little on this is how many of you have participated in a prayer in weekly time okay pretty i would say most everybody has participated one thing just so you know is that i kind of i log in even when i'm working and i just turn it down and just keep working if i can't contribute and that's something you can do but since we've been praying for people we realize that our community has a lot of needs but our community also has a lot of gifts you know and so what, we, what we've decided to do is we want to create a, connected to our prayer, we want to create a generosity platform of some sort. 
And so what, what that means for us is if you have something that you would like to provide on occasion to people as a gift of generosity, I would encourage you, you business owners, like you can't do everything for free, so, so think about this. But if you have something that you want to provide that would be helpful for people, we want to have a platform where people are aware of that. But we also want to know what your needs are. And this is probably going to be a multi-year thing, but we are just starting by collecting needs and collecting desires of what of what people would how people would like to serve. And so right now you can email Andrea at clearpathchurch.com, email any of us. If you have any ideas of how this can work better, how this can be better, we're we're just starting sort of discussion, and so we wanted to start collecting those things. So Everybody say hooray for generosity. I love what Alana had to say, too, about the way people, it was so good, the way people have been generous. Um, the next thing that I have to mention to you, and all of this, it feels like everything just kind of weaves together this morning, is that when house churches, is this, this sort of uh, calendar season of house church is over, um, we are going to have some summer community that's going to be going on. And so, what we have, what we've decided, and we're still working out some of the framework of this, is that we want to take the summer and help people um, to locate where they fit in God's story. And so the this last this three months of of uh, spring has been. How many of you enjoyed Lent? And in Lent, we we're focused on the story of Jesus and that like preeminently. But in the summer, we want to actually focus it on, on the community and how do we fit in God's story. And so we're going to have smaller, even smaller groups that fit into this. And it's going to be kind of guys, guys, girls, girls. We're looking for groups of four to five. And so what we, we want you to do, and we'll announce this for the next few weeks so that you're aware of it, and you can talk about this again at, at announcements, babe. But what we want you to do is to um, let us know. We're going to have a sign-up. Let us know a time of the day that's decent for you and, um, and days of the week that don't work for you. And we're going to try to sort of pair people up with others who want to go through this, this idea of where do we fit in God's story. And so it's not going to be something we do all summer. It's going to be something we do... Um, for six weeks in a row, and and that's going to be the focus of that time. But we're going to be just sort of coming together to speak life into where do we fit into his story. And so um, more on that in the coming weeks. But just want to let you know that will be uh, that will be available to you um, at the end of this time. So you guys alive today? Um, we have a little bit of time, and I want to talk for a bit. Um, just because I like hearing myself speak. Just kidding. Over the last few years, one of the things you've probably noticed is that I've been pretty, I've been pretty focused on this emphasis of bringing people off of the focus of some big destiny that God has for you and onto the focus of how do you abide in life on a daily basis. And... How, how many of you have heard me preach something about this over the last couple of years? Like, and 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 I feel like 
I've been a little bit of a broken record on this. I've tried to say this like 800 different ways. Um, and so there is a caveat to, to that, is that I don't think it's that we should have no focus on where God is taking us. In fact, I do believe that one of the things that Scripture emphasizes to us is to have a sense of where God is taking us, to have a sense of where He's taking His community. But there are two really big downsides to having a Christian life or a Christian formation that's centered around some sort of individual destiny. And firstly, is that we actually we lose sight often when we do this on what God is actually doing in our lives. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like we can, we can have this picture of this great thing we're going to go to and we lose sight of where He's at right here and we set ourselves up for disappointment. How many of you have had disappointment in recent years? And oftentimes, the disappointment that I've experienced isn't, it's, it's the things that I've contrived in my own imagination with God as the ultimate thing that I'm going to, that's going to make me happy. Actually, I don't want to, we don't get too far into this, but in psychology, there's a, a French term for this, and it's called object A. And it's this idea that there's this one thing that I'm going to go get it, and it's going to make me happy when I do this. And I think a lot of times we do this in our life with God. We make, we've made a huge emphasis on this, this destination that we're going to, and it's created the sense where we don't actually see what God is doing, and we live in disappointment on what we think He's not doing. Does that make sense? And the second, the second biggest problem that I think of this sort of like having this as our preeminent view of formation is that we develop a very egocentric, self-oriented approach to what it looks like to step into the fullness of God's gift for us. We develop this approach of life in God that everything is about me like becoming self-actualized into who that I am supposed to be in God. And so we look at our friends and our community often as just resources to get there. How many of you felt this before? I've felt this in my own life. Like, you know, like, you know, I gotta surround myself with the right people to get me to where I'm going. And, and it can be this very e ego thing that actually removes from us the recognition of what God's doing, not just in me, but around us. And I've, I've probably covered this idea in so many ways I cannot even remember. But for me, the shift's been a slow shift away from the big final destination thing that God to in recent years I've I've become where I've enjoyed taking walks more. Like I like, you know, on Monday mornings I love to go sit by the lake or I like to have a coffee and I, I might walk on my street and and look at the beauty of God's creation and nature. It's like God has taken me out of this escapism in my imagination and onto the beauty that's all around us. And when you take a walk with God and you give attention to what's all around you, you'll see that in nature there are these incredible ecosystems of life and sustainability and beauty and nourishment. This morning, before I came to church, 
I was listening to this bird sing. This one particular bird was singing, and I was trying to figure out where is this bird coming from who's singing the most beautiful song. And there's just this thing that if we will open our eyes and we will take ourselves out of our fantasized reality and into reality itself, we will see that there's beauty and life all around us. Like there's sustaining goodness all around us. Even a few of my friends have decided over the last year that they're going to make fun of me for my whale analogies that I use in my sermons. So, amen, says Toby. But I was reading in Psalm 111 um, probably a year ago, and I jotted this down. If you could put up two through four, I didn't put it in my notes. Oh, here we are. It says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are His deeds, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Let's go back to verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. So, I was reading this, and I wrote down in my Bible, like... I had always thought of this as like Egypt or some miracle that God did. But I wrote down in my Bible, study the works of God, not the works of men. And like nature all around us is the beautiful handiwork of God. And so I just wrote that down. Study the works of God, not the works of man. Because like, if you look at this room, this room has a lot of 45 degree angles, 90 degree angles. It has a lot of straight lines. Man builds boxes. We build rectangles. We build squares. But if you go out into nature, you realize that God creates mountains and rivers and valleys and waterfalls and deserts. Like the beauty and the intricacy of, God, of the way that God creates versus the way that man creates is incredible. And the way that man creates... It, 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 it's like a zero-sum game. There's a winner and a loser oftentimes. But God's economy that we see when we look at nature, we see the way that things die and then they decompose and then they bring life to something else. else there's an, an just this always regeneration. There's always regeneration and this sustaining flow of life in what God creates. Man creates things that are limited in supply, and God creates things that are unlimited in supply. Are you with me? And so when, when Jesus is teaching His disciples about prayer and why not to worry in Matthew 6, in verse 26, He says, Look to the birds of the air. They do not stow or reap, sow or reap, nor store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they. So, so God, even with His disciples, Jesus, even with His disciples, He's like teaching them a parable by pointing to the bird. He's saying, look, look at how my Father is generous and, and this is what generosity looks like. And we've become in our culture enamored with this way of life of climbing Winning, asserting ourselves over our problems 
And God doesn't invite us into that way of life. God invites us into a dance with Him, into a walk with Him, into a wait with Him, into this, a flutter of a bird. Like the way that God lives, the way that His economy works, if we look at nature, is so different than the way man creates. There's constant flow of life. And yet we always often have this sense of lack. You see, it seems when I fixate on the thing God is wanting to do through me, like only me, when I fixate on like how is Jordan going to get to where Jordan's going to go? How many of you have this picture playing, motion picture playing in your head? You're your own hero's journey. It seems when I fixate on that, life becomes lonely, disappointing because it's never as good as I thought it would be. It becomes daunting because it looks like such a big struggle. There's all these things that happen when we look at life as an individual as opposed to a part of a larger whole. A journey alone to becoming is not a journey into the deeper life. How many of you want the deeper life? A journey together into abiding in Him is a deeper life. This week at House Church, I was reminded of something that in our conversation, that the fullness of God is not the fullness of an individual or his own self-actualization in God, but it's the fullness he offers to community, to the village, as Alana told us, to the people of God. I love that Jesus, in his great example of prayer, starts with, what does he start with? Our Father. Not my Father. He starts with our Father. But we've gotten obsessed about this singular journey alone toward God. And because of it, because of it, we don't get to drink the milk and the honey and to eat off the fat. How many of you remember reading the scriptures of the promised land of, of flowing with milk and honey as a kid? I always read those and I like milk a lot. And I like honey a lot. And so that promised land sounds really good to me. Land flowing with milk and honey. I'm down with this. But we rob ourselves of those things when we have this idea that the promise is something that on our own individual journey we will manifest. We will get to. We don't realize that there's literally milk and honey all around us in the people we're with. Hebrews 4, 9-10. I didn't put this one down either. Do you have it? Great. Thank you. It says, there remains then, this is God's promise. He's In, in Hebrews 4, it's a lot about rest, but we'll just read this. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters into God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from His. Go back to the first verse 9. It says, there remains a rest for a people of God. And so this whole thing, Hebrews 4, is talking about God's people finally entering into the promise. And he doesn't say His persons will enter into the promise. He says His people, His nation, 
will enter into the promise. If you can go to Ephesians 4, I'm going to stay on Ephesians 4 for a moment. You'll read verse 1. We'll, we'll stop there. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Okay, pause there for a moment. I want you to think about who God is speaking to. This, this came up in our discussion in house church. But who are these epistles written to? Who, like, who is Ephesians? Somebody just throw it out there. Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. Most of, like, who, who, who is the Corinthians written to? It's written to the church of Corinth. If we look at Romans, it's written to the church of Rome. We only have a couple. We have First and Second Timothy. We have, I think, Philemon. We only have a couple of epistles that are written to people, to individuals. Do you realize that the primary way, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God gives His instruction is to people, not individuals. Are you with me? It is, to, it is to people. It is to groups of people. So when we read this passage, do you know what I normally have read this passage as? I go, Jordan, you must live in a life worthy of the calling you have received. Do you know what this is, this is saying? Is community of God, people of God, I invite you as a people to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Have we received a calling as a people? You realize this is not written to a person. This isn't a letter to a person. This is a letter to people. Let's keep reading because it'll be very obvious that he's talking to a group as we keep reading. Be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. So he's speaking to a people. He's saying, keep the bond of peace. Keep unity. Because you are one body. Everybody say, one body. So when these words are written to us, live in a life, live a life worthy of the calling, he's not talking about Jordan's unique special calling to go do my unique special thing alone. He's talking about the calling of the body to come one together. And to bring His grace to the earth. So we aren't just a... I want you to think about it like this. We aren't just a collection of resources for each other to reach our individual full potential. That's not what we are. We are a body growing together. Not just individuals growing because we have a body. Are you with me? Like the hand is not like, man, how do I become the biggest hand? that has ever existed. Now the hand is fit appropriately into the body so that it can serve the wholeness of what the body does together. And we are one body. Our goodness and our worthiness in these calling is in our togetherness. It's not in our individual strength. We're like one organism, one ecosystem living together. 
I want to keep reading in Ephesians because I just feel like if you get this whole thing, you'll see this theme that's in Ephesians. It says, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip His people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Does it say so that Ryan can be built up? No, it says so the body may be built up. Until we all reach unity and faith and knowledge in the Son of God and become mature. How do we become mature? It's all of us coming together into something, not just a person. Are you seeing this? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind of every teaching and the cunning and the craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up and become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined together and held by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen? His body growing up into unity to become a sustaining life-giving unit together. Like what if we really did look at our primary role on earth is leading each other, pointing each other on towards a fullness that God would give us together as a body? What if we didn't think of our primary role in terms of this internal cinema going on in our mind of when we're going to be our best self? What if we actually thought this way? That we thought in terms of what God is giving a people, not an individual. Uh, you've seen this Rubik's Cube. I think that what we do in life, I think, that, I think this is really a good metaphor for what we do. I never was good at these things. I just... Didn't, you know, it just takes a trick, and I just don't want to learn the trick. So, um, but I think what a lot of people think of, the way they think of life, is that God has handed them a Rubik's Cube, and that their life is a puzzle to be solved. We've got to get to the right church, we've got to have the right friends, we've got to have the right career, we've got to read all the right parenting books. We've got to get the, the finances in order. We, we look at life like a Rubik's Cube. How many of you can relate to that thinking a little bit? We look at life as one big problem to be solved. I never was good at these things anyway. My kids in their school have been learning about... Uh, classical music and all the different composers and Eden regularly comes home and gives me facts about composers that I never knew about. Can you show this picture? Oh, it's a little grainy, but this is an orchestra. You have a group of people playing. And what I will tell you is, as, I was, as I've been like, I, had a, I met this friend who is a violinist, you can turn to the next. I met this friend who's a violinist. Here's a violinist playing in, in the orchestra. Um, and he's a, he's a surgeon, a 
very specific kind of surgeon. And so he was like, I always wanted to master something like really detailed. But the thing about, we, were, we had this long conversation about compositions and all that goes into writing a composition for a symphony and then the orchestra executing on this. It's every person playing their part at the perfect timing, at like the right note. It's no one standing out and everyone blending in. There's moments that people stand out. I, my favorite, I put this up here because I like the violin personally. You can pull it down. It's good. But I think a better metaphor for life in God is not a Rubik's Cube that you're trying to figure out of your own life, but is an orchestra where you play a part in a symphony. Like there is a great composer in heaven who has written for us what the peace looks like. And as long as you live this way, you are not going to live in His promise. As long as you live trying to figure out your life like it's some sort of mathematical equation, you're going to live with disappointment and aloneness and lack. But the thing is, it actually takes humility to come into an orchestra and play just a little part. You know what I'm saying? So I want us to think about our life not as a Rubik's Cube, but as an orchestra, I think I'm going to buy like a hundred of these things. Because I think it's a, a good metaphor. Ryan, you do a good job with this. I have another one. Hold on, I want to give a couple away. Where'd they go? Oh, here we go. I don't know, who wants one? Oh. <laughs> There you go. Here you go. This way, this one's for you. All right. Come on, man. You got to catch that. The beard does still look good. How many are with me? How many can remember the Rubik's Cube? Don't think of life like a Rubik's Cube. Think of life like a part in an orchestra. Um. How many tears have people cried alone? How many victories have been had alone? Like that the illusion of grandeur is on some end of something that we're going to do. But the promised land always was meant to be inhabited not by a person, but by a what? A people. So you know what we need? We need more honor for each other. We need to be able to actually see the gifts and the value that we each other bring, even the ones that aren't so obvious. How many of you met some people whose gifts aren't so obvious? We all have. And you've got to find beauty in, in them too. We need some more random lunches together to hear about what God is doing in each other's lives. We need to suffer together and we need to celebrate together. We need to have moments where the entire orchestra isn't playing and the, the violin is like, hey, I'm playing this solo in this moment. We need to do life with each other. We need to hurt with each other. We need to have joy with each other. We need to laugh with each other. And we need to see life 
not as the Rubik's Cube we solve of our own problem, but as an orchestra. And maybe you feel like you don't fit in. But I've just to tell you, like, you know, an oboe sounds very different than a cello. Right? They sound very different. It's okay if you're different. It's actually good that you're different. Like, the worst thing to do is to get a whole bunch of people in your life who are just like you. You're just a bunch of hands laying around. <laughs> now, the knee isn't value because there's a lot of knees around it. There's one other one around it. It's value because it brings the, the, the top of the leg and the bottom of the leg together and makes the body be able to walk. So if you don't feel like you fit in, maybe that's precisely how you fit in. So our growth is contextualized in, in, a, in the body. And the body isn't here to serve us. We're here to serve the body. Like, we don't bring our gifts to go, all right, let's see what I got, see what God's got for me this week. We're here to serve each other, to love each other, to, to, to die for each other. Now, I want to highlight, uh, we were, we've been talking about different figures in church history, but I want to highlight, instead of a figure for church history, I want to highlight a comment I heard, I'm going to finish with this, highlight a comment that I heard by another pastor that, w that has read a lot on the first couple centuries of, of the church. And if you know anything about the first couple centuries of the church, they were, they were maligned by the empire, they were killed, they, were, they did not have any freedom. But he said this, and this is, you can find this in reading, it says the primitive Christian faith that turned the Roman world upside down was a faith characterized by absurd joy. Absurd joy. And do you know why they had absurd joy? It's because they had a community that the world, did, the world didn't have. They had, a, they, they had this thing where, it, where the rich and the poor were together. Like the, the slave and the free were together. They hadn't even solved that problem yet, and they were just doing life together. And no one was preferring anything over the other. And in this context of, of unity, they had absurd joy in the face of incredible persecution. And do you know what happens when you make your life all about solving the Rubik's Cube of your life and getting to your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? You're going to be disappointed. A hundred percent. You're going to be disappointed and you aren't going to have absurd joy. But if you make your life about serving each other, about living, it, will, it won't matter what we face. We can live in that kind of joy. So, in, in talking about this body, let's grab the elements together and we're going to pray. You can come and table. How many of you are thankful we're one body?
So this, this uh, receiving of this table, think about this is, the, this is the picture of where God's nourishment happens. The picture that Jesus gives us of where his nourishment happens. And it's something that he did with his community. It's something not meant to be received alone. It's meant to be received in togetherness. And I love how he gave it to them as he was going to his final place. He wasn't doing, it wasn't this time of awesome. It was a time of, I'm about to go to the place of my death. This is Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 saying again the words of Jesus. For I received from the Lord that what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he betrayed took bread and when he gave it thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In this way, same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this, is the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so I want us to take a moment in, in silence and thank God for his body that, his, that was broken, but his body in, in us that's been given to us. So let's thank him for that, Lord. We thank you that you gave us a body in yourself that we look back upon 2,000 years later to say thank you for your love. But God, we also thank you that you've given us a body that we can see. You've given us a body that we can be with. You've given us an echoing testimony of your goodness and togetherness. I pray today as we receive, we would be thankful for that which you have provided. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. You may receive. Can we say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. One thing I've forgotten to do. Christ is risen. risen Christ is risen. risen All right. You want to come up?